Welcome to Chuck and Anthony Ragnatalk. I'm Anthony Carboni, and sitting across the internet from me is New York Times bestselling author Chuck Wendig. Oh my God. Hello, Hello. sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And I feel like we should just, uh, we should let people know why this is happening. And it's because I think about Thor Ragnarok every day, Chuck. I do. I do. I, I almost watch it every day, like at least a little bit of it. Just a little bit of it. From from it. yeah, from the moment I saw it, it's just been playing on a loop either in my TV or in the back of my mind. Yes, constantly. the back of my mind, the fear in my heart. It lives in my heart, Anthony. Same, same. Yeah. And this is what's crazy. Were you a big fan of the previous Thor movies? I don't know that anyone is a big fan of the previous <laughs> Thor movies. I feel bad for saying that, but no. No. Right. I think, no. I think, so I'll say, uh, let's both say, as people employed occasionally by the Disney Corporation, yes. I don't think there's a bad Marvel movie. I really no, don't. I agree with that. I actually honestly agree with that. They're a blast. Every one of them I enjoy deeply. There is no issue there. Uh, yeah, there's however. nothing particularly wrong with the first two Thor movies. No, they're pleasant. But... I just, I never, I never locked on to Thor as a character. I never no. really cared about what was going no. on in Asgard. It just didn't, it just didn't grab me the way some of the other Marvel stuff did. No, and I don't feel like they necessarily had Thor on a good, you know, ground yet. I don't think they understood Thor. Like, we now get Thor. Like, that's a, there's a new Thor. That's the thing about Thor Ragnarok. This is a fairly new Thor for us. Yeah, and I, th I think what happened was... Up until Guardians, they were really afraid to make things like too silly. Yeah, right. I think, exactly. I think for the for the first five years, Marvel was making movies. They had this real uphill battle where it was like, we have to make sure people can take these characters seriously. Yes, exactly. That's, it's the only way this works. Yeah. Um, and that, but the problem is, you can only do that for so long with somebody like Thor. Where like, I remember watching the first Thor which is basically uh, a, a, a gender-swapped Enchanted <laughs> oh my in its God, best it moments. Oh, my God, it really is. And Enchanted's uh, a great movie. I love it. Enchanted's Enchanted. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but the best part of the first Thor is, like, he drinks coffee and slams it on the ground I know, and another. screams. Yeah, Thor-chanted. And, and that's it. That's it. That's what I remember. That's it. That's like, yeah. And then there's like a big metal guy, right? There's, I remember a big metal guy. Yeah, I kind of remember that. There's a big metal guy. He looks yeah. kind of like bondage and s and Yeah, right? I remember watching it and going, Kenneth Branagh. Okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. Sure. I don't know that you needed to pull in Kenneth Branagh for this one. Right. But but he's here now, and this is where we're at. Turns um, out, yeah. Not and I, I, I interviewed Kevin Feige, uh, the head of Marvel Studios, yeah. uh, for the Star Wars show. And I, I talked to him about their idea within Marvel Studios of the third movie pivot. Oh. Where like you do two movies, everybody yep. knows what they are, and then the third yeah. one's not necessarily a reboot, but you've got to do something completely new. Yeah, you've got to you've got to do a hard pivot. That's true. You've got to upset the status quo of that. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look back at the at the other Marvel films, you're like, oh yeah, it oh. really does do that. With Iron Man, it kind of does it in a sure. Timothy Dalton licensed to kill sort of way. Yeah, yeah. Civil War is a whole different shift. Civil story. War is totally different. I mean, obviously, Infinity War is very different. Uh, than the other yeah. Two. yeah, Infinity War. Oh, <laughs> um, oh Infinity War. So it was kind of cool to see this, uh, to see this hard pivot and to see them kind of turn Thor into 
just a big old black light poster custom oh, painting God. on the side of a van kind it of It is. It's movie. like a, a heavy metal album. It's like a, uh, a a fantasy paperback from 1982. It's so good. So good. But here's can I can I talk about you were talking briefly about how uh, Marvel isn't, you know, wasn't real comfortable with making these characters too goofy and uh, treating them seriously. But what I do love about Thor Ragnarok, and of course, actually kind of the entire oeuvre of Taika Waititi's work is that these characters take themselves very seriously, right? Uh, Iron Man is a character, you know, Tony Stark, he makes quips and jokes, kind of knowing that they're jokes. I mean, he's doing them, whether you, you could argue he's doing it in a way to project defense of himself, he's being self-defensive, whatever it is, he's he's making jokes. In Guardians of the Galaxy, Peter Quill makes kind of like funny little, hey, hey, I'm Peter Quill, I'm a wacky guy. Thor does not know that he's making jokes. No. Thor is dead serious. He is just so blunt and serious, and that's what's extra funny. When Korg is making a statement that's funny, it's because he's like so, that's just Korg. Not because he's making a quip, not because he's being sort of snarky or jokey. Yeah, and I, I do love that. There is the same thing with... um what we do in the shadows where it's like, these are the goofiest characters, right? but they don't know that they're, they don't know it. No, they don't know that they're in a comedy. Yeah. Uh, so what we want to do here, I think is we're going to take this, uh, we're going to, we're going to do this in a prestige series format. Ooh. We're going to take this movie 10 minutes at a time. Nice. Per episode, which should give us, uh, I think 13 episodes. So we're right there. We're like Stephen King's the stand. We are. (laughs) We're we're in Vegas fighting the walking dude. That's right. That, right. That's right. We are yeah. uh, we are a high uh, high budget prestige format yep. podcast. So we're going to start with the first ten minutes of Thor Ragnarok, and you will see immediately this hard pivot. This is a Thor movie. This is a Marvel movie that Rough. literally begins with record scratch. I bet you're wondering <laughs> how I got here. Yeah, exactly. And he's not even talking to us. He's talking to a skeleton. Exactly. And they. This is like the most trite, silly, ridiculous opening, just stock opening in the world, and it's, it's already charming. It somehow. is. It's so perfect. It's perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know how you get away with that, and they do, and uh, they get away with this entire movie. So it's amazing. Uh, I love the the immediately the how much longer do you think we'll be here? Right. Because you're <laughs> only a minute in, and you're like, oh, yeah. well, this is a hundred times more charming. Right. in the other Thor movies. And is that when his, his jaw just drops, the, the skeleton's jaw? Yeah, the skeleton's like, jaw just drops yeah. right off. Yep. <laughs> and it's it. like, somehow, I I think because, I guess just about everybody, we all know that we love Thor, we all know that we love Chris Hemsworth, Yep. but I think because we also know that we, deep down inside, even the biggest Marvel fans know that like, eh, maybe I'm not so into Thor movies. Yeah, right. You're right. totally okay with this pivot happening from moment one. Yeah, and I remember seeing it in the theater, and uh, that that right there is the moment when I'm like, "This is not my my the Thor that we know. This is not a Thor movie I'm ready for, and I'm excited to not be ready for this." Were movie. you gonna say that this ain't your daddy's Thor? Were you? This ain't say your it? daddy's Thor. Yeah. Were you gonna go this there? You can go this there. This ain't your Odin's Thor, buddy. Whoa, there right? it is. Right. Uh, so the chain drop happens, and we see Surtur. Yep, um, Surtur. Clancy Brown. I fucking love Clancy Brown. Oh, God. Man. Clancy Brown is in everything and awesome in everything. Clancy Brown is the only Lex Luthor I'll accept in my heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. He was that animated Lex Luthor, and I yeah. just like, ooh, he nailed it. Oh, yep. it was so good. He always nails it, all the way back to Shawshank Redemption, when he's yeah. just the most sinister person in that movie. And I just love, like, 
this is where Marvel's at in in where they are. It's just like you can get Clancy Brown for five minutes. It's fine. Yeah. Why wouldn't we'll just, you? We'll just pay to get Clancy Brown. <laughs> right. I know. I wish I could pay to get Clancy Brown just to narrate parts of my life. Um, and I love that this is Surtur is from Norse mythology. Yep. Surtur is from Muspel. He's a he's a fire giant. Muspelheim. Um, yeah. yeah. And he's uh he's part an instrumental part of Ragnarok in the actual mythology, which is cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that I've always loved about Thor comics and about the Thor movies is like just the liberal usage of the mythology. Yeah, like it takes it and then mashes it up for its own particular needs, which is what mythology seems to be there for these days. Yeah, and this also gives us the, uh, God, the most perfect gag I think I've ever seen in anything. Oh, is it the I'll be back around shortly? Is that yeah, the there? slow oh chain spin, so, man. Yeah, just like, no, no, hold on. Oh, we're, we, were, we were connecting there for a minute and just he's slowly. <laughs> uh, uh, the just, timing, the comic timing, Anthony. It's so good. Chris Hemsworth. Is just oh. so ridiculously funny. He's a gift, and I hate that. I do because in the Ghostbusters reboot, he's so he's so funny. He's so and he's good. so beautiful and apparently very nice. I don't I don't like it when people are all of those no. things. No, I don't know how he lives. I, I feel like that. I'm you know I'm a I'm a little bit funny. I'm kind of smart. I'm average yeah. looking. I'm not yeah. very nice. No, How can no. I, you get a little bit of everything and then you just look at, I mean, I guess this is why these are $20 million people. Sure. You know what Maybe I mean? Maybe not even people. He might actually be a god. He might be CG. Because He might be CG. Oh my god. He might just be we, Taika Waititi. We cracked it. With a, with a cardboard yeah. head. Yeah, forget a prestige theories. This is a conspiracy <laughs> theory show now. Um. So yeah, this slow chain spin is just one of my favorite, favorite yeah. things. Uh, and then the other thing is like the when you were saying the I feel like we were connecting here. There's also the Ragnarok. Tell me more. Walk we walk me through that. Where <laughs> Thor is talking like a person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a, a cadence. He's got a, a, a the standard kind of colloquialisms that we would go with. Yeah. He's yeah. talking like a person. They they drop this sort of like. Well, he's from some sort of weird uh, magical Shakespeare realm. land, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so since he's from Shakespeare land, he must talk like a Shakespeare-ish sort of character. Like, it was really right. weird. I never I never 100% got what the Asgardian dialect no, was. No, I, th- I think it's I think it was their uh, attempt to make the font from his dialogue in the comics <laughs> yeah. show on screen. That was I, my guess. I had a buddy in college where when we would go out drinking he would get like three drinks in and just decide he was going to convince everybody in the bar he was british oh yeah yeah like he just decided uh did it it work i mean no it it never went super well because (laughs) he always decided to do it three drinks in so like we had already been in the bar like people had already heard him uh but he never really (laughs) thought about that he (laughs) He just decided three drinks in all of a sudden i'm from london no this is how i am now yeah right (laughs) i'm from plymouth upon avonshire's yeah okay. stratford dr yeah. who smith <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite town yeah very it's, small it's very quaint uh they that's where a, they created clotted cream and spotted dick and spotted dick and spotted uh dick. but i do love that they finally dropped that and they're like eh, well we'll let anthony yeah. hopkins still sound like anthony hopkins <laughs> right of course yeah tom hiddleston will sound like tom hiddleston but uh yes. don't worry so much chris hemsworth <laughs> no you just do your best but he still has this like uh deep rich carry to it like again he's very he's delivering all these absurd lines and these colloquialisms quite seriously uh and that is what sells it he's not he's not joking with us and it's so good yeah uh we also get the uh that's what heroes do sorry i didn't time that right yeah, sorry i know hand open nothing 
I'll tell you, this reminds me of, I always say that this is one of my favorite TV moments in history. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the pilot of Angel. Oh, okay. And I remember watching it, and there's this part in the opening scene of the Angel pilot where he chases like a, a vampire or a demon of some kind into a parking garage, right? Sure. And the the demon gets into his car and peels out and starts driving away, and Angel jumps into his like black vampire convertible. <laughs> of course, his Batmobile, basically. Yeah, he basically has like this Angel mobile, yeah. which like for a vampire to choose a convertible, number yeah. one is very know, ballsy. On. Yeah, it is. That's you're saying something. Yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely style over substance there. Yeah, but uh, he jumps into this black '60s like completely vampired out custom convertible. <laughs> turns the key, it doesn't start. Turns yeah. the key again, it doesn't start. He looks across an entirely empty parking garage, and there's an identical black, <laughs> murdered out vampire convertible. Yeah. He jumped into the wrong custom yeah. convertible. Yeah, and I just love anything in the beginning of a of a story of of this powerful hero that yeah. immediately just subverts their perfection. Well, it does because, like, as a storyteller, the job is to kind of put conflict and obstacle in the way of these characters and create a little maze for them, this sort of labyrinth of, of problems. Uh, and I love the bigger the character, the more epic and legendary they are to give them smaller, stranger problems uh, makes them more human. And that's how you bring them down to our level. Yeah. Uh, and, and we get them. And that's the best thing that this movie does is it just. Yeah. And that's, you know, when Taika Waititi started with these. Uh, Team Thor, Team Daryl shorts. After right, second, right, yeah. Which I don't know if he had signed on for Ragnarok yet or if he no. had just done those as extras for the Thor DVD, but these were like after Ultron. Yeah, he had like a roommate, right? Yeah, he was, he was living in Australia with a roommate <laughs> yeah. and just hanging out and he didn't have rent yeah. money and he was trying to pay things with like Asgardian artifacts right. and like right. he was eating all the food in the house yeah. and- it was the most lovable Thor thing ever, and I have to imagine that it was those little shorts that made them go, oh, this is Thor. Yeah, this is Thor here. Yep. Um, and okay. this was just a moment that was just like that, where he's just like, oh, I called to my hammer, and it was farther away than it wasn't I thought. There. But you, know, you mentioned Angel, and Angel's a really great example of another show that kind of doesn't find its feet initially in the way that Thor maybe one and two are kind of not sure who Thor is. Uh, Angel, you know, by the end, is a very different show from where it began. Uh, and it creates a different character for him, even though it's still a consistent character somehow, which is such a weird trick to pull off as a storyteller. So it's kind of genius. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I went into Angel going, why does this need to exist? Yeah. And it really it really justified itself so quickly and made itself it something different and wonderful so quickly. And the last scene of the show is what they're like, you know, just settling in for the, like the fight of their lives. And then that's just like where it's cutting, letting you know the fight. It's almost, it's almost like this beginning of, of Thor. Like you can't stop Ragnarok while fight it, but they're gonna fight anyway because that's what, because that's what heroes do, Anthony. That's what heroes do. That's and what then you wait. Do. Yeah. And wait. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, and this well, is where we get immigrant song, man. Yep. Oh man. You know, and it, it again, it shouldn't work. Like they kind of feel like, hey, immigrant song. I mean, really? Like are we gonna? Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. The, that's the thing is you would feel like it would come off so cornball. Yeah. You would think it it just couldn't possibly work, but it it really does work with the same sort of this movie is a painting on the side of some weird guy's van. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? And, and the guy driving the van might actually just be Thor. Like, I don't, he might just be in that van. I don't know. Yeah. It's just the, it's just the Thor mobile, like the angel yeah, it's just mobile. The Thor mobile. Right. <laughs> my wife, it's funny. My wife li- listened to when we, immigrant song kicks up and we watch it again on, uh, when it came out on digital. And she like actually kind of heard some of the lyrics to immigrant song. She's like, oh, this is actually relevant. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's not just like, we just need a, a cool guitar song. Like, no, this, actually is kind of talking about Thor and Odin and stuff. It's the <laughs> nerdiest song. It's the nerdiest song. Led Zeppelin was like, they were like a D and D band. Like, were, you, were you a Zeppelin fan? Are you a Zeppelin fan? Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, I played drums, so it's hard not to be a Zeppelin fan when you play drums. Sure. I, I've never been a huge fan. Oh, uh, see John Bonham for the drum. I mean, Man. I yeah, mean that, no, like, look. I mean, you you think about uh, you think about Jimmy Page, and you think yeah. about you know, like, you think everybody in that band is amazing. Yes. And for whatever reason, I just never got into it. Oh, you see, when I was a kid, I was into it, and then I lost them for like two decades. I just kind of forgot about Led Zeppelin for a while, uh, and then now I'm back. I'm back. I. I've never been into them. I've always yeah. thought this song is kind of corny. Like I love this song when it was in School of Rock because it just yeah. felt so works. Jack Black. Yeah, it did. Yeah. You know, like when I listen to Zeppelin, I think of like Jack Black. Yeah, <laughs> I think of him like air guitaring and making his like rugugugus. Right, right. By the way, new Tenacious D album coming out. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm very excited. But it's, I know that's. But it's like it's in the theme. It's in the vein. Yeah, and, but it's it's one of those things where I love them and I love that because. They are, they unabashedly love it and they are yes. kind of making fun of themselves. Whereas I think yes. Zeppelin is very serious about themselves. Oh, Zeppelin's very serious. They're not, yeah, no, they're not. There's no joking there. This is not. And, and that's kind of one of the things that I've always been like, okay, Led Zeppelin, calm down. Yeah. Because know, you watch relax. you watch them in concert <laughs> yeah. and you've got you've got him up on stage with like his pirate shirt and a whip. Yep. And you're right. just like, dude, who are you? What are you trying right. to pull off right now? <laughs> you you mean this. You sincerely mean what you're doing yeah, right now. You yeah. are buying the Zeppelin of yeah. yourself. And I don't it's know not, if I can go there with you. No, it's not ironic. It's real. <laughs> and I think that's the thing, is I was never I never got into a point uh, where that aesthetic could be a serious thing to me. <laughs> no, no. Thank- thankfully, I didn't either. At that point, I did not dress like that. And there was, yeah. Well, I mean, but there was something about. I guess I had seen them very early after I had heard them, and yeah. so something about that, seeing like an old concert film or something, just yeah. made me go, "Oh no, these guys are oh, not no. for me." <laughs> no, they're they're on drugs right now, and they believe everything is happening. Um, but this this song. Yeah. I love everything about the use of this song in this movie, even though I'm not a yes. Zeppelin fan, even though I'm not yeah. a huge fan of this song. Um, <laughs> this, because like, number one, hey, Chuck Wendig, yeah. can you hum the previous Thor theme? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Is what's, there your a Thor favorite, theme? what's your yeah, favorite my, part of the old Thor theme before Immigrant yeah. Song? It's, uh, mm, and this is like mm, no shade no. to whoever wrote the score for no, the first no, two we, movies. No, there's but I can tell you the Marvel opening. Dun, 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 like that's all dun, I got. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, yeah. Yeah. But I would have to say that one of the things that's, and this is something that people talk about a lot. One of the things that's been lacking in a lot of the Marvel movies is um, the sort of John Williams, Superman theme, the Danny right. Elfman, Batman theme. Yeah. The thing you get to every time. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the characters are missing this. And it's kind of like a bold move to just say, you know what? This is the Thor theme now. Yeah, uh, yep. and, it's immigrant song. And Taika Waititi used this song in his initial pitch to Marvel. 
I know, I heard that. That's a great story. So he was going through the beats of this story and like showing his sizzle reel, which is like when you when you pitch a movie as a director, you put together like a reel of images and clips from other movies and things that are going to let the people in the room, the Marvel executives, know that they can hand you $120 million because you know what you're doing. Right. Sizzle reel was also my nickname in high school. Yeah, the old sizzle reel, they called it. The old sizzle reel. Why do they call you that, Chuck? Remind uh, you. You know what? It's not, this is a family podcast. I can't, <laughs> I can't talk about that. Um, so he had it in his pitch to Marvel in the beginning. Uh, and the funny thing is none of the Marvel execs knew the song. No, I know, right? How do you not know this song? I always feel like it's cliche. He was telling point. the story and he was like, oh, that's a really cool. That's a cool song. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, uh, it's Immigrant's song. It's Led yeah. Zeppelin. It's one of yeah. the most famous songs of all time. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's good. We should use that in the movie. Yeah. It's good. Can, can we get those guys? Let's get those guys. Where are they, yeah. where are they from? Let's have them can come in. Can they do in. cameos? Right. Um, it took the entirety of production for the music supervisor on the movie, Dave Jordan, to get Zeppelin to agree. Really? Zeppelin doesn't agree very easily. Like, to go back to School of Rock, Richard Linkletter had Jack Black, let's just roll the camera on Jack Black and had Jack Black record a five-minute, basically, plea to Led Zeppelin. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Calling them gods of rock, because he he loves Led Zeppelin so much. And he had them... He had Jack Black send a love letter to them. Um, I remember there was some there's something about Cameron Crowe having to track like John Bonham down in a bar in the middle of England or something like. Oh had yeah, to, like, no. Had to like track him down. Like they don't give. Yeah, Bonham's up. dead, so that would be hard. Well, but, uh, it was, probably, yeah. this was a while ago, I guess. Though maybe, though maybe. But uh, oh, it's for Fast Times. That's what it was. Yeah. He had to like fly to the UK. And like track down members of Zeppelin. <laughs> My God. And like collect collect them like infinity stones and get right. them all to say yes. <laughs> so getting this song was not easy and it was so important to them. Here's a here's a side note about that though. The Godzilla theme with Puff Daddy. Yeah. How did that happen if it's so hard to use a Zeppelin song? Oh my god, you how did that how does that how did come with me? happen if zeppelin is so protective of their music oh my god or did they just do it and they're like well that's it that's it i mean it's ours i think i think uh i think puff daddy actually he owed that like they owed him a life debt maybe from what i understand is he pulled them he pulled them out of a uh out of a burning car Uh, yeah (laughs) burning car on the, the planet yeah, Puff Daddy has that yeah. has that uh, scared mom strength. Have you ever heard of that? When Puff <laughs> <Right>. Daddy <laughs> sees someone in trouble, yeah, sees musicians in danger, yeah, he just he goes, appears. <gasps> yeah, and he could just lift it up. Jimmy Page Puff needs Daddy. me. Puff he, Daddy is kind of like a superhero name. It is. Right? I I always thought he was a superhero. <laughs> yeah, he's a, is he a Marvel? Will we get a movie, a standalone movie, a standalone a standalone Diddy film? Think about yeah, it. Yeah, standalone Diddy. Diddy against Thanos, man. <laughs> Diddy is the only one with his mother strength. <laughs> he's the only one. He's the only one. Uh, <laughs> um. So uh, the other thing I want to mention about this is just like the gall of deciding you're going to use this as your hero theme when yeah. you've got Mark Mothersbaugh writing your score. Right. Right. Mark Mothersbaugh is a uh, boy. He's done some shit, hasn't he? All the way back from Debo to uh, 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 Rugrats. Rugrats. Like that's Mark Mothersbaugh has like that's his early arc. Yep. And then and then every Wes Anderson film. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. Some of the most iconic scores of like the last 10 or 15 years. He's done a lot of TV stuff. He did a lot of TV yeah. themes. I remember he did the themes? theme to yeah. uh, he did the theme to Eureka, which I always liked. Oh, Eureka. I remember. Yeah, that's a nice call. Man. That's a great show. And that's I, a great show. I remember watching the first episode and, and listening to that theme and being like, oh, that's catchy. That's very good. And then yeah. you look it up and it's uh, and it's Mark Mothersbaugh. And you're like, Mark oh, Mothersbaugh, again, it's like yeah, how every 10 years I hear this every 10 years. I'll hear this. Uh, this new female pop star on the radio. Yep. Sure. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, who is this? Like, or she'll <laughs> pop up on a playlist. Like somebody will yep. pop up. It'll be this hot new young star on a playlist yep. on a, uh, and I'll look at it and it's Janet Jackson. <laughs> yeah. She's just reinventing herself. Just every, it's just every like, time. oh, she's just back and she's just as she's, good as ever. And it's different yeah, she's and it's fresh. And amazing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but Mark Mothersbaugh actually, was super into this from the moment he heard it. As he should be. And his only request was, uh, he asked Zeppelin if for the end of the film, he could yeah. add like a hundred piece orchestral accompaniment to the bridge of the song yeah, okay. for, the, for the actual fight. And Zeppelin was like, no, nobody touches our music. <laughs> Which once again, how yeah. did Come With Me happen then? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's like some, they needed money. Like there was like something going on there. They were maybe this is problems. a post come with me rule. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Maybe they're like that was a mistake. They're like I don't we, know why we, we chose did that. poorly. That movie. We chose poorly. <laughs> Do you remember the amount of uh, blockbuster pl- product placement in that Godzilla film? Boy, it was cups and yeah, like Seven Eleven had a huge thing and yeah, no, that was a strange movie to have product placement. It was a very strange thing because it was like yeah, we can put your. We can put your brand into this movie. It will be stomped by a giant monster. Yeah. Like, great. Yeah. We'll give you $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're making this movie. Um, so, yeah. this uh, big fight breaks out. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know what? I want to go back to Immigrant Song. No, no, let's, let's, please. It's like really crucial. Like, it's already indulgent. It's an indulgent choice, right? It's just like, it's just like putting like just the most in, like foie gras, right? It's just like we, it's a feels cliche. It feels obvious. Works totally, mm-hmm. totally amazing. And then they double up on the indulgence by putting it in the third act at the climax of the film as well. Yeah. Like the one time you figure like, all right, here's, here's Immigrant Songs getting us pumped for the movie. You have this exciting moment. You're like, well, that's it for that song. That was great. I enjoyed it. Now we're moving into the movie. And then I know, you know, we're taking this 10 minute chunks, but to bridge that all the way to the end of the film and then to have that back. And like you say, make it his theme. It's so, it's so far past indulgent. It's like in a new realm of amazing. It's, I looked uh, it's it up sublime. and yeah, I just looked up Thor theme, Ragnarok, uh, Thor rock song, Ragnarok. And yeah. it definitely, it worked in this way yeah. where anyone under a certain age now yeah. literally thinks that this song is the Thor theme. They, it is. I mean, it is. Yeah. There are kids out generation. there. Generation. Yeah, yeah. This generation, there are kids out there that are going to discover Zeppelin yep. because they wrote Thor's theme for Ragnarok. Damn it, millennials. I'm trying to think Damn of, it. there was there definitely been things like that in my life when I was a kid where I just discovered bands based on soundtracks and yeah. just thought of them as the band that wrote. Like, <laughs> uh, like yeah. uh I guess I thought. I guess I thought when I was a little kid that Cindy Lauper was from the Goonies. From the Goonies, which she literally is in a video with the Goonies. Yeah, I think that was the first I ever saw of Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Um, Smash Mouth is obviously inextricably Ooh, well. linked to Shrek. 
yes, yeah. So, somehow that happened. <laughs> somehow that's, that happened, and yeah, now it's that, for good or ill. I don't know whether yeah. it does better for Shrek or Smash Mouth. That may have been the first sign that the whole machine was glitching. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, oh, the simulation is freaking out a little bit. My favorite thing about that is, you, do you remember that wasn't written for Shrek? That was written for Mystery Men. Oh, man, Mystery Men. What a weird, weird cult class. That was supposed to be the theme to Mystery yeah. Men, and they released an oh original video of it that included yeah. Yeah. like Ben the Stiller. The trailer, I think, included it, too, yeah. And it was <laughs> crazy. And then the second yeah. Mystery Men bombed, a new vi- I remember a new video came out on MTV, and they had completely cut all the Mystery Men out of the, out of the video. No more Mystery Men. Made a totally different video for, for this song now. They're gone from reality. I was so bummed about that because I felt like Mystery Men, a lot of Ben Stiller stuff, Mystery Men 2, was just five years too early. Yeah. That's what Yeah, you just needed you needed a little bigger, a little weirder, a little more CGI. Well, we I don't think we were ready to make fun of superheroes yet because we hadn't had enough good superhero yeah, stuff. We hadn't yet. had saturation. We reached saturation now, so it's time to do some different stuff. Yeah, it was one yeah. of those things where like we watched it and we were like, Well, I want a real superhero movie. Right, Why exactly. did they give want... all this money to this? Yeah, I don't want a guy who has toast. What is happening with the first forks? What's going on here? Yeah. Don't mock me and my needs. <laughs> I still love that movie. It's very, very good. Um, yeah. So yeah, so the big fight breaks out. Yeah. Um, this opening fight is so good. and I. It's so good. These big CG fights yeah. are so hard to pull off. They are, because they usually look like junk like they usually look like it's just a computer simulation of a bunch of digital things mashing into other digital things and they're hard to follow sometimes like if you're not doing them perfectly and this is something that we'll see more and more as we get in especially to the uh valkyrie's flashback to her origins so beautiful Uh, Uh, taika waititi uh, is one of those directors studios are getting very good at this you find a director that's made something small yes. with a little bit of money that somehow makes it incredibly visually interesting. Yes. Um, and then <laughs> you give that person the unlimited money and you trust that that eye for visuals will just yeah. grow with the budget. It really is a huge testament to Marvel that they hired him of all directors. That is <laughs> like when I heard that he was directing a Thor movie, it was like, no, no. I mean, amazing. Like I'm in, I am 100% in and I am the audience, but I, I am afraid that I'm one of 10 people who is that audience. Yeah. Uh, and now it's, these everyone. films are small. Now everyone niche. is that audience. Everyone. Yeah. That's so, it's such a brave, strange, wonderful choice that they did that. And, uh, well, you look, I look at, forward to seeing him do other things. Yeah, yeah. You look at how they're doing that now. I think one of the biggest ones that I can think of, Aside from this is um, like Colin Trevorrow when they brought him in for Jurassic sure. Worlds. Sure. Um, obviously, the only thing he had done previously was safety not guaranteed. Right. Um, small, small little movie. Ryan Johnson. Very He's small. Like, yeah, Ryan Johnson. I mean, you know, Ryan Johnson is a, a arguably fringe choice for any large blockbuster. And to bring him on board is astonishing because he has such a great sense of story and such a great sense of visual. But it hasn't been used in that big like here's a giant war chest of Hollywood money. Yeah. Do something. And it would be easy. I mean, sometimes it's so easy for these directors to just, uh, to just crack or not be able to do right. Not be able to rise to it because it's, it's one of those things where sometimes as an artist or a creator, you get so used to working within limitations that when you're told you don't have any, 
Yeah, it, it's weird. It, it's weird and frightening, and you don't know how to think big anymore. Well, isn't that the, the great story about, you know, like Spielberg and Jaws when he started out is Jaws failed, right? I mean, the, the shark didn't work and stuff wasn't happening. So he had to tell a story that was way more reserved visually. And so, you know, it became kind of an ingrained lesson that like, well, less is always kind of more, especially with kind of, you know, directors who don't have a lot of money, uh, companies that don't have a lot of money, whatever it is kind of movie you're making. If you're making a small movie, you try to do as much as you can with as little as you have. Well, I'm a- and Thor is like, here's all the money. And they make it work. This battle scene is a perfect example of how they still make that work. Yeah, it's uh, it's not only completely visually readable, it's not only understandable, it yeah. feels there is more tension and energy in it than I yeah. think any action sequence in the first two Thor movies put together. Absolutely. This it first 10 minutes- and deranged and tense, yeah. This first 10 minutes first ten, is this really first ten just minutes, about yeah. like, yo- we are just turning Thor upside down in every yes. way. Yeah. Um, I love the little moment with the hammer in the dragon's mouth. Oh, I know. It's such a brilliant little character beat. Like we know some, we already know about the hammer. <laughs> we know what, what its trick is and just thunking it down in the lower jaw of the dragon, pinning it to the earth. The things, so the things that they've done with the hammer in the movies. Yeah. Um, but here's the great thing. Then they make you love that hammer more. And then of course they take it away. Yes. It's such a good, that's a great little thing to do. Um, we also um, get to see uh, that Heimdall is missing. Yep, Heimdall's missing. Scourge. Scourge. Carl Urban, Scourge. man. Man, what a... He, he can disappear into a role. Because, like, from Bones to, you know, that, and, I mean, he's a really... That's impressive. You know, writers of Rohan, like, this is, like, a different thing for him. Yeah. I, so my wife is uh, is actor face blind. Okay, you know what sure. I mean? One of those people yeah. where it's like, yeah. oh, is that a guy from a thing? <laughs> is that a... Yeah. 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 She never recognizes Carl Urban. No. And every time I explain to her who Carl Urban is, she's just like, no, that's not the same guy. I think you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I tend that's to, Carl Urban though, right? Yeah. That's kind of, that's his gift. I tend to like us. underestimate Carl Urban until yeah. I think about stuff like that where I'm just like, oh Yeah. Carl yeah. Urban, man. Bring it, Carl Urban. Yeah. Bring it. Dread. Yeah. Yeah. Holy dread. Dread, that, man. That's an underrated, uh, underseen film. Wait, and, wait until this the Ragnarok podcast is over and we do our 50-episode podcast mm-hmm. about dread because I we can fucking do that. love dread. I am into that. Oh. I'm in. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm Scourge, in. I really, really love. This is another one of those, like, cutting the tension with some silliness, but not in a way <laughs> that, like, deflates it. Which no, I- and it speaks to his character. Like it's a character moment for him, and he—it's serious. He's a serious guy. He's got his stuff. Behold my. He's stuff. got his stuff. Des um, Troy, brilliant. So two machine guns, two M16s, Des- and like not the classic. That's also what I like. That's like a, you know, your current, <laughs> like assault rifle of choice is not the classic 1980s M16. No. Right, like the like on my GI Joe has an M16. Like that is an old school throwback type of you know weapon from a, a an arnold schwarzenegger film commando or something yeah. and that's like that's what he's got he's got I, the first thing i noticed was he has a he has an old piaggio vespa not a new oh vespa God. but yeah. he's got yeah. like an old one he's got an old one and he's like that's what he wanted and it's just one of those things where like you know it was thrown in there so you imagine scourge in full armor riding yep. around on a vespa yep stealing it but i wanted to talk about this because uh, chuck you're Chuck, you you you're a writer. You wrote a bunch of famous books, True. I guess about uh, it's about sure. a, b- okay. a bird woman. She's a bird woman yeah, who bird, fights she's bird a bird crimes. Lady. 
Yep, that's true. Bird crimes. She fights. It, bird crimes are serious, Anthony. It, it's all bird crimes, and she's like it's walking the. Crimes. She's walking the line between human crime and bird crime. Is that and cr- bird crime? That's right. Yeah, and she can't. She can't live in either world. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of her yeah. blessing and her curse. Am I getting this sure. right about the books? No, no, not at all. Not not exactly. Okay. Really, it's sort of like that, but also she's not any of okay, that. Okay. Well, uh, it, once you put something out into the world, authorial intent doesn't matter, Chuck. And yeah, I'm no, telling you what I think about the book. Yeah, that's fair. I look forward to your YouTube video on the subject. <laughs> uh, but I want to ask you, yeah, in the middle of something where where it has stakes like this, where Thor is mm-hmm. genuinely worried for his life, yeah, and something so silly is going on on the other side, how as a writer do you make that work without making it too funny or not funny at all? Why does this work so well? Oh, man, that's such a tough question. But <laughs> first of all, the funny counterbalances the tension and it, for some reason it, it's good with with uh with horror and humor do the same kind of thing they um they don't despite the fact that they're opposite forces they don't defeat each other um they can kind of if you do it right they balance off each other and escalate one another um because the horror makes you uncomfortable and the tension makes you uncomfortable so to make you laugh in that moment only increases your discomfort but it also makes the humor it's like laughing in church you're not really supposed to do it and so it makes it harder to hold it back um but then the other thing too about that—it's great—is you know they're counterbalancing the funny stuff with it's a genuine character beat for Scourge, and it also is increasing his tension because while he's sort of being Scourge and being like, "Look, ladies, at my stuff. Check out my machine guns." Thor really needs to come back. Like he's he's getting closer and closer to being swallowed by a dragon, um, and so it does both of those things. They constantly ping pong back off each other, so they just use the humor to accentuate and to increase the tension. Yeah, from from a from a story beat perspective or a or a kind of timing beat perspective, it feels almost almost the same as a horror movie where someone is trying to someone is being chased and they're trying to call someone who just isn't hearing their phone. Yeah, exactly. And they're like in a, you know, a, a whatever, a convenience store with funny music playing whatever yeah. it is. There's just this moment of the, these two opposite forces kind of pulling on each other and it creates more tension in the pulling it's so good this is such yeah. a good film so we got scourge with his shake weight during the call which yep, i really weight. love oh my god a filthy filthy shake weight how did he bring the shake weight back like i hadn't seen I a know. shake weight joke in years and somehow nope. I, that's why it works i think just because just full armor in a magical castle with a yep. shake weight and again, serious moment. He's like, he's concentrating on it. He's literally trying to impress these women yeah, he's, with his his feat of strength. Anthony, that's a feat of strength. It really is. To him, it really is. And you just, <laughs> it really is. The look on his face when he's doing it yeah. is just he, so brilliant because yeah. he's just like, I can't believe I've mastered this shake weight. <laughs> I know. Behold my glory, women. Um, this Check me out. So uh, the, the ladies finally get scourged yep. to notice the call. There's a call. There's a phone call. And when he notices it, we get our first Mark Mothersbaugh music cue. Yeah, that's right. That's right. For the opening of the Bifrost. Yeah. Um, which, uh, like, it is, it, yeah, allowing it takes a dragon. Mark Mothersbaugh to just lean fully back into his 80s synth roots. Yes. Yes. Uh, sort of like, like, 80s fantasy films that were coming out around the time where like synths were coming out. Like yep. one of the first things that I can think of like this is like Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So Lady Hawk was Alan Parsons from the Alan oh Parsons project. Was it really? Yeah. Oh. And so Lady Hawk was like 
synths were out, man. Yeah. And so you're watching yep. this like high fantasy adventure film and it doesn't, it certainly doesn't work to the level that this works, but no, because that takes itself seriously. Yeah. That's a, like, not in a funny way. I mean, that's a, a more of a sort of a boutique grim little heart or a fantasy film. Yeah. This is not, this is not that this is like black velvet paint. Yeah. And you get this with the Alan Parsons, when you get this whole thing where like, clearly he was in this experimental, I can do an entire movie score with just one keyboard. It makes yeah. all the sounds now. Right. Um, well, you know what? Like this, this is like, um, you ever see, um, I mean, I don't know, heavy metal magazine, but the film heavy metal. Yes. Uh, the cartoon, right. This is a kind of like that with less like horny stuff. Uh, but that, that synth component works there. That, that's where that fits. Yeah, and so it really, it really took me back to all of that stuff in such a wonderful way, uh, and it's such so a good. good opening fanfare. Um, yeah, yeah. It just synth is having a moment. Synth is kind of having. a Oh, moment. please! Actually, in synth is so hot right now. So hot. Right so now. hot. I try to escape so a synth. I dare you. No, I can't. I, they chase. No, me. Uh, one of my favorite scores for a horror film in like I think the last ten years was uh, "It Follows." It follows, man. That really did. Which it. was a uh, Rich Vreeland disaster piece. Um, nice. Who previously had only done uh, video game stuff. Yeah. And God, the score to "It Follows" was just the it most. Creates such dread. Such dread, and every such horror dread. movie afterwards, low budget yep. horror movie afterwards, has really taken that on. Yeah, they're like, oh, this is cheap. We can do this. Yeah, it's really, he's really yeah. like changed it. It was funny when I was talking to John Powell about the solo score. Uh, one of the first things I brought up was the uh, the Born Identity score. Oh, yeah. Because before the Born Identity score, like nothing sounded like Born Identity. Right. And now A- action movies, <laughs> yeah, action movies had like massive scores, like sometimes with like rock guitars and saxophones sure. and stuff. Sure. Yep. Like just big hero man music. Yeah. And they were like, no, how do we get away from that? Now, like, yeah, like you said, <laughs> every single thing now sounds like the Born Identity. And I feel like, yeah, Synth is having a moment in the same way where everybody's like, hey, let's really like bring this back. Let's lean into this a little harder. Uh, and there's yeah. no better way to do that than with Mark fucking Mother's Ball, man. Yeah. Uh, yep. One thing that I noticed about this when Thor comes back in is just all of the purple and yellow goo blood. Oh, it's goo. It's gooey. It's a goopy scene. Which is so anti not just Thor, but kind of Marvel's aesthetic up until now. Yeah. Yeah. To just be that gross. Like, literally everyone is covered in dragon guts. <laughs> I know. As the, the head slides across the floor. Ugh. It's just such a gross moment, and uh, I was just like, yeah. wow, this is a Marvel movie. This is a Thor yep. movie. Yeah, very different. Um, so, yeah, we get the uh, I'm supposed to announce your arrival, which gives me another comedy beat that I really love, which is just Scourge right. trying to run right. across the <laughs> Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> and he just flies away. Yeah. Um, and then our our closing image. The statue. The statue of Loki. The this statue movie. statue of Loki. When we decided to do this and and we were like, oh, well, let's break it up into chunks because there are a lot of podcasts that do like, like there's the Jurassic Park minute and things like that, like movies. Right. Okay. They take like a minute of the film and just talk for like 45 minutes about it. Uh, (laughs) And I was like that. A lot of those shows work, but that seems like a lot for me. I'm scared of that. Um, Right. But one thing that I noticed after we decided to break this up into 10 minute chunks is just how perfectly paced this movie is. Yeah, it really knows how to like keep those like moments of like un- unbalancing you every ten minutes, right? Destroying the status quo every ten minutes. I mean, that's what storytelling sometimes is: is constantly resetting the stakes. 
accelerating the stakes, changing the stakes every 10 minutes. It's great. Just right on the dot, man. You see the statue of Loki and the timer hits 10. And I was like, Taika Waititi. Love you. (laughs) Love you. Uh, So yeah, this first 10 minutes really sets us up for a very different Thor movie. Yeah, it does. And it does. And it's a ride, man. Yeah. That's what's crazy is the, it, the next 10 minute chunk is technically slower than this in terms of yeah and it needs to be that's that is and i think that's a good thing to do you need to bring it down a little bit bring it back to character Mm -hmm. um that's how you do it you know you slow it down give you you know i often refer to like tension setting when you're trying to set tension it's like filling the room with oxygen and the more oxygen you can get in there is the faster you can light it on fire and blow stuff up but tension is is in the filling of the room not in the uh, blowing stuff up. Exactly. I mean, the reason the reason you like the chorus is because the verse comes before it, right? Exactly. Like, you need that little bit of changing and rubber yep. banding. But what's yep. great about this next 10 minutes we're going to see is even though it's slower in terms of action, it, it really digs in a ton into character, interaction, yep. and relationships. It sets the stakes. And yeah, it really doubles down on the funny and mm-hmm. also, yep. like, doubles down on the sheer number of cameos you can have in a Marvel movie. Yes, it really does. I know. Uh, Yeah. Dials that up to 11. So I'm very excited to, to look into that. Um, we will have that next episode up for you. Yeah. I guess we'll do one of these a week. Yeah. try. Let's try one of these a week. Let's make it work. Yeah. Let's Let's do do it, it. man. Uh, yeah. So you can, uh, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, if you love Thor Ragnarok as much as we do, uh, why not hit Mm. us up on Twitter? Uh, Twitter is a fun place that's always positive and nothing ever goes wrong. And we'd love to hear no, from it's you a, there. Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm at a Carboni there. I am at Chuck Wendig there. And uh, yeah, be sure to subscribe to this and uh, share it with friends and just, you know, think about Thor Ragnarok at least once every day. All the time.